So. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, wait. This is not uncomfortable, but it's very weird. This is the thing? This is the one. Absolutely. And now it almost couldn't have happened in a better way. Where did you want to be? So it was just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> am I funny? Now if I go over here, am I still funny? Better strategy. Yeah, a way better strategy. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's a work. I don't see it five years from now that you're not my most famous friend. You really have to commit to something. Good to have something pushing you. That's that cool. That was really cool. Yeah, it might have been cool. This is On The Cusp. Hello, I'm Ben Green and welcome to On The Cusp. This week, my guest is Betsy Sodaro. Betsy can be seen performing at the UCB Theater in LA all the time. She's on teams like Bangerang and Nephew and can be seen in shows like Search History and Cat. On TV, you may have seen Betsy on shows like Animal Practice, Kroll Show, and Big Time in Hollywood, Florida. And currently, Betsy is one of the stars of the TBS show Clipped. If this is your first time listening to On the Cusp, then welcome to the show, and it's good to meet you. You can listen to On the Cusp in a number of places. You can find it on SoundCloud, on iTunes, or on Stitcher, and I hope you'll subscribe to the show in one of those places. This week's episode of On the Cusp is sponsored by Thai Pepper, home of the best Thai food in Los Angeles. We are also sponsored by the new children's book, How to Keep Your Helicopter, which was both written and illustrated by me. Ben Green. How to Keep Your Helicopter is the story of a seven-year-old boy who loves his toy helicopter more than anything else in the world. And it's about what happens when his little sister Sandy wants that toy helicopter, but he doesn't really want to share it with her. It's about some tricks that a kid can use to both keep their toy helicopter, not have to share it with their little sister, and also be very nice to that sister at the same time. That might sound impossible, but I promise the book will actually go into how that can be done. If you want to buy How to Keep Your Helicopter, you can find it on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. It's recommended for kids four to eight years old, but I've also met people who are about 70 to 80 years older than that who seem to really enjoy the book. For more information, please go to www.HowToKeepYourHelicopter.com. So my guest today is Betsy Sodaro. And did I say that right? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, and I'm with Mono Agapian. Did I say that right? No. Oh, how is it said? No, that's correct. Okay, I'm just good, joking. Good, good. Uh, and Mono uh, is Betsy's roommate and one of her best friends. And uh, Mono, uh, I brought Mono on the show because I thought it might be fun to talk a little bit about what makes Betsy uh, such a special person and performer. Um, so, Mono, any uh, fun stories, first of all, that like sort of speak to who Betsy is? Yeah. Um, yeah, Betsy is the the best. Um, and one story that comes to mind that, that uh, reminds me of this is when we were in Las Vegas one time, and we were drunk, and... We were in a gift shop in our hotel. I think it was the gift shop at the Luxor. And I don't know why we thought it was so funny. We we noticed, I don't know, we were looking, we noticed that like they had huge sizes um, in these gift shops. And we thought it would be funny if we created a character and started asking for gifts for this character. So I think we started at, we, we decided to ask, I can't tell if I started or she started, but we started asking the clerk if they had four XLs. <laughs> 
and we created a small story about how our aunt Tani needs a 4XL. It's absolutely the only thing she'll wear. To the point where we made this poor clerk check her like the the back inventory, and we just every time she came back, she was like, "We have three XLs," and we together played this game where we were like, "No, she's she's as big as a house. We no, we we can't get her that. She she'll only fit into four XLs," and it was just fun because she was so gung ho to do this stupid. Thing this I don't know if I don't, it's not a prank it's not a prank but just this stupid bit like in public just for the sake of saying yes to that moment and it was uh, it's just one one thing that reminds me of how Betsy will say yes to any any funny thing she like never shoots a thing down she's always like yeah let's let's run with that weird idea <laughs> and is there anything you can say that sort of speaks to uh, what Betsy is like as a person in uh, just regular day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, she is just a really good person. She'll always get your back. I think I'm sort of trying to remember, we were lucky enough to go to like Greece last year, and there was one day where we had just done everything. Like, where we had like gone to the beach and gone drinking and ate food and I want to say we even went on like a boat ride. We just did everything and even though she was absolutely exhausted and like falling asleep by the end of the night, she still was very selflessly being like, no, I'm great. Let's keep going. Because she, you know, she just knew that the cool thing to do was to say yes for everyone else's sake and like not necessarily put her needs before everyone else's and it was that was just an example of how it's like yeah she's just a fucking team player i guess you could say she's just cool and and into what everyone else is doing and oftentimes puts her needs last i love it yeah thank you so much for uh yeah talking to me and uh to everybody else get ready for my interview with the amazing uh a person who always puts herself last <laughs> she's the first <laughs> uh betsy sodaro Woo. What were was like your show regiment this week? What were the shows you've done so far in the night times? Was a show okay? Um, we'll start with Sunday. Is that yeah? Let's start on Sunday. Okay, great. Sunday I had um, search history at eleven p.m. at Franklin. And what kind of show is that? That's an improv show where we look at somebody's phone search history and interview them about it, and then do like. 45, 50 minutes off of that. Uh, it's super fun. Great cast. Uh, a lot of awesome people. And, like, the crowds have been great, which is so fun. They've it's been like, real. It's Sunday nights that used to be Franklin? Yeah, at 11. So, so it's like, oh, and is that where, like, uh, 
shitty jobs used to be. Yeah, I think so. And now is is that earlier? And now it's the show before, so I guess at nine thirty. Um, but like the audience is awesome. Like every Sunday, we're just like, whoa, what a cool crowd, you know? <laughs> I think it's a lot of. Uh, younger people because we'll also make references sometimes to silence do you see the same people coming uh, yeah. every week yeah we do sometimes which is awesome and they're so nice and search history super fans yeah 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 totally so I had that on Sunday and then this uh, and then I hosted Harold's with Mono because we have a show on Saturday coming up so hosted Harold's and then Tuesday. What was your bit at Harold hosting? Well, oh, so our show that we were like hosting for was a party show, uh, and so we did a bit of um, uh, Never Have I Ever, and out like Mon and I gave a few examples to where they were super specific to one another. Uh, yeah. You know, so like, uh, <laughs> what was one that he did for me? One of his that he did for me was. He would, he would go, never have I ever um, almost broken my leg from punting a pumpkin. <laughs> and so I was the only one who raised my hand and took a drink. And then we, like, got the audience involved with, like, general, more generic ones. So that was one bit. And then another bit was us just um, telling, I think just, like, Tell you some drunk stories and then what are some of your drunk stories and then giving away tickets. That's about it. Yeah. That's pretty, really fun. Pretty chill. Um, so that, and then I had a busy week. This is not that typical. I had a busy week. So Tuesday I had the Winslow show, Super Teams, where they ask like one person to put together just a fun team of improvisers and do whatever they want. And so I asked the cast of Clipped to come. And so... That's so fun. It was so much fun. Like, and everybody came who could. Lauren, unfortunately, couldn't. And Mike Castle couldn't, uh, which was a bummer. But then everybody else could. Like, Ashley Tisdale <laughs> did improv for the first time ever. And it was such a blast. How was she? She was great. She was great. Everybody killed it. And it was really fun because I was like, uh, like... Okay, I'm ready to, like, take the lead if need be, you know, like, uh, but every single person was so excited to step out there and to, like, get into the scenes and stuff, so it was really awesome, and immediately they're like, let's do it again, I was like, okay, we can do it whatever you guys <laughs> oh, want. Oh, that's so like, fun. Yeah, it was awesome. I hope Clips gets their own show. I do, yeah, it. yeah, well, weekly show, um, so that was Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I had, I did cage match at 11 p.m. with Mono and Steve, and a, uh, we're called Beefy, so we did cage match. <laughs> How'd you come up with that name? I don't remember. <laughs> That's a good improv team name. Right? Right? What? How did we? I kind of, my immediate gut response is, maybe something to do with Taco Bell, <laughs> but I don't know. I can't remember how we... It, did you guys win? We did not. Who's... Is there, a, like, a reigning champion right now yeah, at Cage it's, Match? Um, Becky Drysdale and Heather Campbell. That's an awesome team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we had... And Heather Campbell, like, dominated for, for like, for over so a year yeah. as Heather and Miles. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're killing it. But we, we had a really fun show and it was it was great because like 
we went first and like the first line immediately set the tone for what kind of show we were going to do <laughs> but also it set the tone like the audience set the tone for being like yeah 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 do this kind of show and it was just mono like uh the three of us were just sitting in chairs and it was mono and he just goes so it's settled ladies we're all gonna cheat on our husband (laughs) and like that was like what it turned into i'm just like yes great let's just kind of go nuts and and that was really fun what a great initiation yeah it was so perfect and just something where both steve and i were like yeah let's do it and we ended up doing a pretty flower from that which was so fun uh and then i sat in with convoy last night i'm this is a uh i had a wild week uh convoy last night which was so much fun it's always a dream come true to play with any of those guys um it was me fernie and todd and it was so much fun and then tonight bangarang and brand new ball and then tomorrow. So it's been a big week. Of yeah, but so many great shows. Yeah, yeah, so much fun. So much fun. A week like that makes it sound like like you're probably up late most nights. Yeah. Does that mean it's like hard to wake up like at the crack of dawn the next morning? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and luckily, like I didn't really have to get up too early this week. Um. But luckily, I don't ever really have to get up too, too early. Good. Like, I think the earliest I had to get up uh, was, like, 7.30. For and that two? was after, for, like, an audition. Cool. Because um, I, like, I've really gotten into the mode of, like, before an audition or something of just really, like, um, you know, even if it's at, like, 10 or 10.30, just to be up for those hours, whether I'm, like, working on it or not helps me just kind of almost just warm up to the day rather than like waking up at nine and just like okay I got an hour and a half before this I like I like to just kind of chill out before I go in an audition does that make sense that's like, so smart I feel like you're letting yourself be on your own team yeah I will like if I have an audition wake up an hour before yeah and, just, and I like, used to do hope that I can roll there yeah I used to do that and then I would just find myself not like super once in a while super panicky but like just kind of more of like ah oh, Oh, like just a little like okay oh okay what's happening you know because right, you don't want to be a while. like wiping sleep out of your eyes <laughs> yeah 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 I, so I, I like have that. yeah I have two where it's just kind of like what's happening like <laughs> and so just to have like a moment like just a few hours before going unless you know if the audition's at nine or something seven thirty still but like yeah like. Just to have a few hours so I can just kind of slowly get up and move and take my time waking up, you know? Yeah. Uh, but what a cool week of shows. Yeah, I know. I know you're saying it's not typical, but like, yeah. even if it's close to typical, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was so fun. Uh, so originally, you've always lived in California. Right? I am not. Oh, I'm from uh, okay. Colorado. Colorado. Mm-hmm. And where were you born in Colorado? I actually... This is, I was born in Nebraska and then uh, lived in Wyoming for until I was seven. 
and then moved to Colorado. Oh, so yeah, you you weren't yeah. even born in Colorado. I wasn't even born in Colorado. So, what were your parents doing in Nebraska in the first place? Yeah, so we were at this like this weird little town on the border of Wyoming and Nebraska, and I guess when I was being born, the better hospital was in this little Nebraska town. So we drove over to Nebraska, or my parents did, had me, and then, so got they it. were living so, in Wyoming. Got it. So you were just technically born in Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, it's so all technically. You can't be, like, president of Wyoming because you weren't born there. I guess I can't. Damn it. <laughs> I really would love to be president of Wyoming. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> no, Wyoming is, it's, it's. So Wyoming was where you got to be seven. Yeah, that's where I grew up to be seven. What were your parents doing, like, as jobs, and how did they meet each other? Um, Okay, so in Wyoming, my dad was uh, an eighth-grade English teacher, and my mom ran a daycare out of our house. Uh, They met in Alaska years, like, years, years, years before that. Uh, they met in Alaska working, like, um, in, I, I can't remember the town, but, like, in this weird little, not weird, I mean, just a little town in Alaska, uh, they were working at a school there for all the, like, natives, where they would teach the native. I don't know what the proper term is, but, like, I think they're I don't think it's Eskimos. Now, right? Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> I want to say that. Yeah, right? I don't think it's Eskimos. <laughs> I don't think it's Inuits anymore. I think it is just now natives. Uh, so they were working in um, a school there for like a year to where they have crazy stories. Like they got chased by a moose together. Uh, like they were on a walk and a moose like chased them down. They would eat That would like, make anybody fall in love. Right, right. I was like, was that the moment? They're like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, like it would be negative 80 degrees out sometimes in the winter and like uh one of their friends stepped out and his glasses shattered because it was so cold <laughs> and like they would eat road camp. they have crazy stories from alaska which is cool and that's where they met and my dad was actually i think engaged at the time with someone else and then fell in love with my mom <laughs> and, and it was it was mom ever yeah. since i think um but yeah so they met up in Alaska, and I think for one of their anniversaries, maybe like their 35th, they went on a big Alaskan cruise to Canada. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Were you their first kid? Uh-uh, I was their last. So uh, they had four kids. My oldest sister is 10 years older than me, and then the next sister is eight years older than me, and then the next sister is six years older than me, and then I was definitely a surprise. <laughs> and did you feel like the baby of the family growing up? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it was it was kind of wild because, like, when... <clears throat> right before we moved to Colorado, so, like, as I was turning seven, my oldest sister was going to college. Yeah. And so that was really weird. Of, like, we never really got to hang out until I moved to L.A. because she was living in L.A., and it was like, like we would of course always visit. I would see her at least twice a year, you know. Um, but it was really fun, like 
just getting to hang out. Like, we've never gotten to just chill together. That's so cool. Yeah, it was fun. Getting to know your sister for the first time. Yeah, it was cool. You think your dad was surprised, like, to uh, have, like, all daughters and grow up in a house that was, like, dominated by women? Yeah, I think so. We always had boy dogs. I think that was kind of the deal. Like, we always had boy dogs. Uh, But, yeah, it was pretty nuts. And then, like, my, like, Sonaro's, it's all about the girls because uh, Amy Amy had a daughter and Katie's now going to have two daughters. So it's just like, <laughs> it's not happening, guys. It's, it's a whole like, dynasty of women. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was it like to have a daycare center in your house? It was great because I was just part of it. And so it was like neighborhood friends. So my friends would just come over and we would play all day and like <laughs> hang out. And I remember one of my favorite memories from this is like we would... Um, we would play Wizard of Oz, and my mom would play the Wicked Witch from the West, of the West, and she had the best, like, and scariest witch cackle, and so we would just be, like, running around the house, just screaming our heads off, and my mom would chase us with a broom, and it was the funnest time. <laughs> it was awesome, and I'd always be the cowardly lion. Like, that was my jam. Why'd you gravitate towards that? I don't know. I think he always made me laugh. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that guy. And he was a lion. That was pretty rad. I always did that, though. We would also, I remember during these times, we would play Sleeping Beauty, the Disney cartoon Sleeping Beauty. And I was always, like, either Meriwether, you know, the blue fat fairy, or um, Prince Charming's horse. I and love like, that I those are the two like, characters. The kid would, like, I, I can't remember his name, but one of the kids would be like, be Sleepy Beauty. I was like, no, oh, man. <laughs> Sleepy Beauty's not fun. I want to be the fat fairy or the horse. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, that's kind of all I remember because it was so, I was so little that, like, I can't really remember too much. But there's I do some, remember those moments. There's something interesting about, like, I think of your house that you live in with, like, Mono and Gilly yeah. um, as being, like, such a hub of, like, the people are always, like, going over to. Yeah. Um, and, like, I've always thought, like, and even, like, late at night, I've always thought, like, oh, man, I would be, like, if if people were always in my house, like, so late at night, I would be really troubled by it. <laughs> but it, it makes sense that, like, you had, like, all these kids in your house, yeah. like, Growing up, and that was what felt comfortable to you. Do you yeah. Know there's some linkage to those things? I do. And, and now that you're saying it, because, like, Mono has a bunch of siblings. Gilly has two siblings. Like, it does. And, like, when Mary was living with us, like, she has a bunch of siblings. Like, it does make sense of, like, us. Because all of us are like, yeah, let's have people around, you know? And I really do think, I never really thought of it, but that does make sense of just kind of, like, I like being around a lot of people and, you know. Yeah. I do think that must be it or, like, part of it. It's fun. When everyone to come over, come on over. Thanks. And yeah. that's why and your neighbors who went crazy were all, were both the only children. Yeah, yeah, probably. Ugh. Those guys. Can you think of a couple of stories that, like, really speak to who you were as a little kid? Yeah. And one that immediately came to mind 
Um, so uh, my dad is also, and now this is his full-time job, is a playwright, mostly for, like, children's theater, but um, once in a while does, like, not once in a while, but also does, like, I don't know what the term is, I guess just adult theater and stuff. And when we were in Wyoming, um, uh, he also, in the summers, would work at Fort Laramie, which is this fort that I remember was on Oregon Trail, and I would be so stoked, like, when I was playing it in second grade, and be like, I've been there, you guys! <laughs> I've been to Fort Laramie, whatever. That is very Anyways, exciting. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, uh, it was pretty big. Um, and <clears throat> in the summers, he, so he would work there, and then in the summers, uh, we would do melodramas that he wrote, and, like, all of my family would be in them. Uh, except for a few years, I wouldn't because I was so little. Uh, and then, like, a bunch of friends. And I think, like, every Sunday afternoon at Fort Laramie, we would do this outdoor uh, melodrama and, like, a lot of costumes and it's stinky hot and stuff. And um, when I was three, I, like, and my dad wrote the melodramas and he's he's a funny guy. And there's one where um, the villain's, like, sidekick was this giant rubber spider. I can't remember what her name was. But, like, yeah, that was, like, the villain's sidekick. And my mom was playing the heroine. Uh, that's a word, right? Yeah. And that's also a drug. Yeah, okay. Uh, the heroine. And, like, so there's this spider on a stool and my mom's losing her shit because <laughs> she's acting and she's scared of this awful thing. And I was just watching from the side, and I pick up a huge rock, huge for three-year-old Betsy, and I, like, walk out onto the quote-unquote stage, and I take the rock, and I smash it on the rubber spider, and, like, the audience just, like, started cheering and laughing, (laughs) and, like, my mom started laughing, and I just, like, looked around, and then just started bawling and ran (laughs) off. And, like, we have a picture of, like, me running back, just, like, tears. And then you can, like, see in the background just all of these, like, people at Fort Laramie just, like, yeah, <laughs> like, cheering. And, and so that, I feel, kind of has shaped me in a way. Luckily, it didn't scare the shit out of me. But it was like, yeah, yeah, let's go for that more. And, and just the idea, because then the following years, until we moved... I would be in all, I would be in those melodramas, like just a little role that I would be in. Uh, And so that, like, just, my family was very into theater, and so that was just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. Yeah, it's cool that you've just been doing this your whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so that was one. Um, What's another? I definitely have... Oh, I, I remember um, uh, I was I would watch whatever my sisters would watch, you know, and um, I was obsessed with like Pee-wee's Big Adventure and UHF when I was little. The so, Weird Al Yankovic. The Weird Al Yankovic, which if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's streaming right now on Amazon. It's great. It's so funny. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen at least parts of it and thought it was very weird. It's and fun. so weird, but just so funny. And 
there's this part where, uh, <laughs> so the basic part of the movie is like he, uh, his uncle Weird Al keeps can't hold a job, and his uncle owns this very weird little television station. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, why don't you watch it? Whatever, you know. And and Weird Al becomes, like, very, gets into it. And is like, okay, whatever. That's a very, so he's running this TV station. And there's this one moment where in one of the shows he has this guest who is, like, showing him a saw, like a band, or, yeah, like a band saw. You uh-huh. know, that you go like, Zzz. yeah, And he's, like, showing him how to use it and cuts off his thumb and so it's just like the like just the bit of so much blood everywhere and he's still trying to like perform for the camera like this is how it works you know this part where he goes I guess you could call me Butterfingers and I thought it was (laughs) so funny I thought that part was so funny and I remember in first grade um I was saying that, uh, I, I, I was saying, like, I guess you could call me Butterfingers, and I remember a kid was like, Betsy keeps saying butt, Betsy keeps saying butt, and, like, got me in trouble, and I, like, went to the teacher, and she's like, why do you keep saying butts, and I was like, no, 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 I was saying butt." fingers from uh, UHF. It's really funny. And like, I still got in trouble because she was like, just don't, you can't say butt. So I think maybe what? that was like... <laughs> that teacher was way on the wrong. Yeah, come on. I was just quoting UHF. I would... I got in trouble a lot throughout, um, pretty much throughout high school for talking. And um, I don't... It wasn't necessarily like bits and jokes all the time but it was just talking like i liked talking were you like a person who would like make a quip in class or, yeah like, yeah you, i like, would say something that would make everybody laugh yeah i would um some like a lot of, especially in high school like elementary school absolutely with the point of i'm gonna i'm gonna destroy this like i'm gonna kill with this remark <laughs> uh middle school I started becoming, you know, a classic middle schooler who was just so insecure and an asshole. And, you know, like, I wanted to be cool. And so, like, it would a lot of times, like, turn mean and not funny. And so I kind of stopped for a while because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm an asshole and losing friends because I'm being an asshole. So I chilled out for a while, and then around, like, sophomore year of high school, like, I would say things and just start getting, like, and people would laugh at them, and I would genuinely, like, mean them, and then I was just like, all right, I'm back. Here we go. Let's be kind of goofy. But, like, there were some, like, I sat in the hall a lot throughout all of elementary school and middle school, and sometimes in high school I'd get sent out in the hall for talking. And, uh, like, one time... There was one point in, like, fifth grade where I came into school and uh, one time my, my, my desk was just in the middle of the room surrounded by everybody else's desks. <laughs> and the teacher's like, yeah, 
Now you can talk to everybody if you want, but everybody will know you're talking. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, fair enough. And then, like, <laughs> I would always get that desk, like, away from everybody that had, like, the high sides on it. I would get that a lot, too. <laughs> and, I, and one time, like, my desk got moved into the coat room because I was just talking so much. Um, I love that as a theme of growing up. Yeah, yeah. Uh you like today like you're everybody obviously knows you as being like having the best energy and like, <laughs> yeah. just being one of the best people <laughs> um Thanks. can you speak more to like that period of like was it just in middle school that you felt like a little bit lost or insecure yeah it was it was mostly middle school honestly like mostly Eighth, like, eighth grade was an awful year. So what was that year feeling like? And what were you insecure about? Insecure about absolutely everything. Constantly wanting to please people, you know, fellow students and stuff. And what kind of please? Because you I, said you were also being a bully. So, like, it wasn't just being yeah, nice. Like, was it please, like... Please, like... Please the quote unquote cool kids, I think, which I had been friends with before. But there was just this like weird, I don't know, and you know, eighth grade is tough, I feel, for everyone. Like there's so much shit going on inside of you. But just that wanting to be so cool to where it was like, oh, you guys are into skateboarding? Cool. I'm into skateboarding and being like, I don't fucking skateboard. Like, what? I want to just do, like, theater and play soccer. Like, you know, and just um, thinking, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make fun of these kids because you'll think that's cool, Mm -hmm. right? And then in the end, oops. And then in the end, the cool kids are making, the quote-unquote cool kids are making fun. It was just really weird, and I, like, lost friends because I was trying so hard to be a person who I wasn't, you know? And for my whole life up until then, I was always just like, yeah, man, I'm having fun. I don't care what people think. Like, my parents would sometimes let me dress myself, and I would go to school in, like, these huge cowboy boots that my dad owned, so they're, like, a man's cowboy boots in a fucking sombrero, you know? And just be so, like, yeah, dude, whatever. And it was, like, in eighth grade where I just really started just being, like, what? How do I? I want to be, like, the cool, like, let's be cool. And it was a really hard year for me. And, I, I mean, I guarantee it was a hard year for absolutely everyone yeah. I know. Uh, but it was just, like, I would get made fun of, I think, because I had, like, a shitty attitude and I was trying so hard to not be who I was. What broke you out of it? I think um, losing friends and or people not wanting to hang out with me anymore and just, and just these moments of, like, I, I, I guarantee my parents kept me in check, too, of, like, what? why do you care, you know? Because they've always been very much like, yeah, be yourself. Like, hey, all we want is for you to be a nice person. That's all we ask, you know? And I was so just, like, confused and just like, oh, is that group cool enough to hang out with? 
I don't know, is that, you know, and just not focusing on me, you know? And that's what you feel like you returned to was just, like, not caring again? Yeah, I think, like, around sophomore year, because, like, you know, and then freshman year is such a, a change, but I did start to kind of, like, towards the end of eighth grade, I was like, oh, I don't ever want to be like that again. That was awful. Uh, I'm not that kind of person. Like, I gotta just do my own thing. And it, I I know in my heart I'll be better for it. Like, I'll have friends and stuff. And so, like, I, you know, freshman year was kind of just a transition year where I was kind of just getting back into, like, all right, okay, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna be myself and make people laugh. And that's how I'm gonna, like, get to know people and break the ice and everything. And, and then, um, yeah, sophomore year, I feel that's when it kind of just started getting back. I started getting just back to myself of, like, and not worried about who I was hanging out with and just trying to be friends with everyone, you know? Like, just totally being like, why can't we all just hang out? And I was, like, pretty lucky. My high school... From my point of view, which, I mean, I don't know, uh, uh, like, a lot of groups got along. That's cool. Which was really cool. Like, um, and I was friends, you know, because I, I, like, uh, did sports, but I also did theater. Um, uh, and, like, I had a lot of friends who would do sports, but also some who did theater, you know? So it was just kind of like, I don't know. And by our senior year, it was a lot of all of us hanging out together, I guess. Like, it was pretty chill. There, it, And I, you know, I was, there were cliques, but I felt like I was friends with a lot of those, those cliques, you know? Like, yeah. I would be more than happy to hang out with any of those cliques whenever. But, um, uh, yeah, it was, I, and I'm there, like, Eighth grade was the worst, but I'm so glad it happened because it did keep me in check. And it has kept me in check forever here <laughs> on out. I'm just kind of like, wait, am I, why am I doing this? Because I want to be, you know. Yeah, most people like, have to do something wrong for like 20 years to snap yeah, out of yeah. it. It's it's nice like, it. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, probably two, <laughs> two solid years technically. But uh, um, yeah, in high school, like it just started being like, you know what? I just want to be nice to everyone and be friends with them. Like, it's hard to just be negative all the time. <laughs> or it's really hard to try to be cool all the time. <laughs> it's exhausting. Uh, I remember you saying that, like, there was a time that you thought maybe you'd want to, like, do athletics in, like, a more yeah. professional kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, since elementary school, so into soccer, uh... Uh, very into soccer in middle school. Like, soccer was my jam. That was the one where I was like, I could maybe do this to the point where, um, like, junior and senior year of high school, I was like, oh, man, should I try to, like, play, like, soccer in college? And I, like, I got offered, like, some scholarships and stuff, and, and I was like, oh, my gosh, should I do this? Like, I should... I should be a soccer player because I loved it. Like, I I really loved it. Um, but there were moments where I would realize, like, oh, 
oh god like I love it but the competition like the competitiveness of it I don't think I can handle anymore I don't think I can do this anymore um both coming from me and other teams and situations that happen within our team uh Because I would find myself... Like, I got a red card my senior year because I called a ref a fucking bitch. (laughs) Or a stupid bitch. After... And, and like... And so I would have these moments where I'm like, ooh, I don't like being like that. Like, I don't like getting so worked up over a fun... A thing that should just be fun to me. Like, of a thing I love. Even though you need to. You need to be competitive to really, like... Like, I don't yeah. ever fault anybody for being competitive because, yeah, you're passionate, you love this game. But for me, it was like, ooh, that's exhausting to get so worked up. I don't think I want to do that. And I was like, I think I want to just do theater. <laughs> like, <laughs> did you have a moment with, like, a parent who said something? Like- I did. I did. It was awful. Um, it was our first time getting to state, which was big because we, like, my friends and I... Ugh, and the, t- like, who I, like, grew up in middle school playing soccer with, we were the ones who got, um, I think we were the ones who got girls soccer in middle school because I believe in sixth grade there wasn't a girls team, uh, but there was enough of girls where we're like, let's start cam- campaigning for a girls soccer team. So in seventh grade we got that. And so, and the same for high school. Like, we were... I'll say it, we were the beginning of girls' soccer in Summit County. Of, like, we started the middle school team and we started the the high school team. So, like... Lay the groundwork for that to be like, 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 Yeah, like, we were the beginning today. of it. And so, our second or third year of being a team, we, like, made it to state. Which is pretty which amazing. Is, huge like and we were so excited and like it was we also like I grew up in the mountains and um where there would sometimes be snow until the end of school and so we would never really have home games and we would train in our gym like our practices were in the gym because a lot of times it'd be blizzarding outside (laughs) we're like well can't play outside um, but this was, like, one of our first home games ever also, and it was, like, our first state game. And um, I can't remember who we were playing, uh, but I think we were down, like, one or two goals, and I I'm, I was a goalie. I was the goalkeeper. And um, I was still, like, positive, like, hey, whatever, we can do this. Like, we, we got this. And I was walking off at halftime, and a parent, came up to me as I was, like, walking to, like, go have a meeting, or is that what it's called? <laughs> I don't know what it is. A meeting, a halftime meeting with the, the group, with the team, and um, the parent comes up to me, hey, Betsy, hey, Betsy, how you doing? Oh, I'm right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm all right. Oh, yeah, really? Are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm having fun. Yeah? Because you need to get your head in the goddamn game. And I'm like, I think I was 16, so maybe it was, like, my sophomore year. 15 or 16 and so like and he like said it like not joking like it was intense and I immediately just start bawling and so I walk into our little huddle or meeting whatever it is our halftime talk and I'm bawling like I'm just 
so sad and upset and just like, oh, he said this. And like the coaches and the team were just like, what? Why would I? What? What's going on? And uh, and I remember just like playing the rest of the game. And I think we lost. I mean, we absolutely lost because we were done with state after that. But uh, uh, I remember I was just a mess for that second half mentally just like uh, and like mental stuff is huge in in sports i mean that's and in comedy like mentally being ready to let loose or whatever it might be but like i was a mess and i just remember after the game still crying and parents and and teammates coming up like don't worry about it and i i just remember like talking to my friends and her parents just crying and being like god I just want to, like, do comedy and not have to deal with stuff like this. And, like, I remember straight up saying that, to, and I think my parents were there, too, because this was when I was really also starting to get into comedy and, like, how do I do SNL? Like, kind of that moment. And, yeah, and so that was intense, and that was a big thing of, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do sports with people acting like this and me acting like this at points like calling a ref a stupid bitch what why would I do that yeah there's just too much like crazy emotion yeah. rolling around from everybody it's terrifying from everyone parents players refs coaches Ugh, too much for me to handle <laughs> so so who were your major comedy influences that, like, made you, like, you wanted to go into comedy because you loved it. Yeah. Um, but also, you had some people that, like, you, like, really looked up to in the comedy world. Yeah, I mean, Chris Farley's huge. Uh, I was immediately just, like, in love with him and his comedy. I'm just, as soon as I saw him on SNL, I was like, who, what? This guy is perfect. <laughs> Um, and, and I think another one, like, growing up, my dad, um, is super into I Love Lucy, and we would watch hours of that, and I was, and I still am such a huge Lucille Ball fan, and that, I think, was a huge inspiration, she was a huge inspiration to me, because it's like, whoa, this funny, like, and I hate bringing this up, but, like, this funny woman who has her own show and is killing it in a world where, you know, at the time, uh, you know, it wasn't Bing Crosby, like, hitting ladies with sacks of oranges or something. I don't right. know. But, you know. <laughs> that was like, the competition. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was just like, wow, she's in All the other roles were, you're going to be hit with oranges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it was like, she was the highlight of that, which is just awesome. And she's so, she's so funny. And then Simpsons. Simpsons was gigantic for me and left a big mark on your like yeah idea of what's funny yeah absolutely and that simpsons is huge and then snl just in general saturday night live was really big but then i look and i have so many i guess because like peewee's big like so many i was obsessed with peewee's big adventure and i still am like it's I think maybe my favorite movie. Um, and I was obsessed with it since I was four years old. I was like, this is incredibly funny. 
Um, That's and then, really cool that it was lighting something up in you, like, so young. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I'll go through waves. Like, uh, I went through a huge Monty Python phase, you know, where I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to, like, be with a group of friends, a troop, and, you know, make movies and television shows and stuff. And then... Yeah, like, and I still feel like I'm constantly being inspired, comedically wise. Whether it's just seeing uh, an uh, a friend doing an amazing improvised scene, or if it's just like Broad City, I'm like, holy shit, this is such a great show. It inspires, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. That's really cool. So, did you feel like? starting to think you might want to go into comedy, did that feel like a realistic thing that you could, like, make your way to? I think it... Man, because I still am constantly blown away that I get to do it for a living. Like, it still blows me away every day. I'm like, holy shit! This is wild! Um, uh, But, like, I started just doing plays and stuff in high school. And I've been doing plays, and I, you know... But, like, it was fun once it wasn't, like, my dad casting, you know, and his shows and where it was, like, in high school uh, and a whole different director and a whole different uh, play I've never even heard of or something like that. And, um, you know, I started getting cast in the, like, uh, character roles, the smaller character roles, which, yeah, that's great. And I had such a blast. And I... I can't remember what it what I think it may have been after like Greece or something where I was the the principal. I think that's the the like teacher role and I had such a good time and I was in maybe like two scenes but I like got laughs. <laughs> and I was like that's awesome. And I remember my parents like coming up to me and this was in high school. I think I was like a junior in high school and then just being like Betsy you're really funny. And they've been telling me that, like, my whole life. But that was, like, such a moment of, like, holy shit. Cool. Maybe I can do this, you know? Like... I like how much your parents were the people telling you and making you believe Yeah. It. And they'd always been, like... Because I would get in trouble in school and stuff. Um, but my parents were always just kind of, like... <laughs> You're funny. You're funny. Like, you got in trouble, but that was a funny thing you did for getting in trouble. And, like, my mom, she now still, like, uh, she's retired, but she'll still sub. And she'll, like, call me and we'll talk and stuff. And she'll be like, ah, oh, there's this one kid I was subbing who reminded me so much of you. Like, wouldn't stop talking, but was making me laugh. And so it was very hard to send him or her to the principal's <laughs> office because I was legitimately just like, oh, you are funny. Like, you have to shut up, but you are funny. Yeah. You know? Just, and you're like, the student improv class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so that was like a big moment where I was like, can I really do this? I want to. I really, really want to. And I was, of course, worried, like, to go... I was worried of, do I need a backup plan? Um, but then the more I uh, uh, started 
doing, like, um, because I also, like, around my junior and senior year of high school, started auditioning for, like, um, the local theater shows and stuff, and, like, started getting into those and realizing, like, oh, man, I would also maybe be happy just being a ski bum in the, or, like, you know, working for a resort in the day and then getting to do theater at night, like, okay, or, like, it would be fun to run a local theater, like, so I started seeing, and this was also throughout college, like, oh, there are ways that I could still, like, make a living doing theater, even if it's not on Broadway or whatever, like, I didn't really know, but I knew I wanted to do it, I wanted to study it, and I specifically, like, focus on, like, I want to do comedy. I just didn't know how and didn't have the resources yet. So how did you start pursuing it in college? Um, uh, so there was, like, a little improv group, I think my sophomore year and maybe a little bit of my junior year, but it wasn't, it was, like, short form and none of us knew really what was going on. Um... And I, I think it stopped. Actually, I think it stopped after sophomore year. Because um, I, I actually, I went in my freshman year, I went to Marymount Manhattan College in New York first for the first semester to do theater. And, uh, but it was one, like, I remember as soon as, like, uh, as soon as I got there, they were like, uh, get ready because you probably won't get cast in a show until junior or senior year. And I was like, what? <laughs> I want to just do shows. Like, I, to me, I've always had that idea of, like, doing it and practicing it will make you better. Soccer-wise, comedy-wise, everything-wise, and so I thought theater-wise. Yeah, and I agree with that idea. you got to, like... That's definitely what it is, is, like... You have to just... Do it The 10,000 hours idea yes. it makes more sense than anything else. And I was so just like, oh boy. And then I remember just meeting so many people like in the, the theater uh, major or whatever, BFA or whatever it was, just talking to them. I was like, oh, so what kind of plays have you done and stuff? And people just being like, oh, I've never done a play. <laughs> it's just like, but you're majoring in like acting? Yeah, 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 yeah. What is happening? I was so confused. And um, I started getting uh, really awful, like, panic attacks and stuff in New York City. Because I was 18 and from a mountain town. And it was just too much of a city. And it still is, to this day, too much of a city. And so I got, like, pretty sick. And um, over Christmas break, I was like, I can't go back. I don't like it there. Um it was too much for me, and I'm, like, not doing what I love, and I can barely afford to be there. I don't want this. And so I then transferred to Western State College of Colorado, um, which is a teeny little school. Like, I think there was, like, 2,500 kids there, um, and it's now called something else. It's now a university, but, um, you know, a few of my really good friends from high school um, were skiing there and going there, and I was like, I want to go there, and it was awesome, and I was a theater major there, and I immediately, like, uh, I immediately started doing shows there, whether it was in the community of Gunnison, Colorado, because they have, like, a little art center and stuff, which was awesome, or if it was through the school, and, like, 
from there on, I was doing at the very least a play a semester, if not, but usually more, like sometimes three shows a semester. And I was just so happy and like, the professors knew me by name, I knew them by first name, and it was just, it was just a really fun, like, small theater department, but I learned so much and um, was able to do it so much and started realizing like, oh my gosh, there are ways, because I was so scared of, will I be able, like a theater degree, what? Will I be able to make a living doing this? And I started learning like, oh my gosh, there are ways to um, to do that. Like, because I was learning how to run a theater in the school. And I was also learning how to develop original pieces with teenagers and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I could, I could also teach drama if I wanted to. And so like, and, and the whole time, no matter what, just being like, I really want to do comedy, but I now think I could fall back on a theater degree. Like, does that make sense of like totally. learning? Like, I could use this theater degree to get a job somewhere, still doing what I love. And so now that became kind of my backup to comedy of like, now I want to do comedy. And in, um, so at Western, there was like uh, the little improv group uh, that I think stopped in like our junior year. And so I improv and sketch. Uh, and so I did that, but I was still just kind of like, I don't know. And we were, I won't say we were doing it wrong, but we definitely weren't nailing it. You know, we weren't just doing the basics of improv, uh, which of course we weren't. Nobody told us what it meant. And all we were doing is watching who's lying and be like, yeah, okay, I could, I could be a bad doctor, like, <laughs> whatever. Um, uh, so And so around, like, junior and senior year, you know, that idea of, like, okay, I'm almost graduated. What's the next move, especially in comedy, or wanting to be a – what do I want to do? And the whole time going through, I was like, I want to be on SNL. I want to be on SNL. I want to be on SNL. And junior and senior year, I started really researching and studying, like, how do you do that? How did all these people do that? And I was scared of stand-up, and I was like, I don't want to do stand-up. How do I do it? And so I started learning about, like, Second City and I.O. and then later UCB and, and thinking, like, okay, that's the next step. Like, I have to move somewhere and get whatever shitty job that I can to just support taking classes and stuff. Okay, I'm going to do that. And, and so then, like, so, yeah, like, that's kind of where, and for my senior project, I did, for my senior project, I, like, did two, like, hour-long improv shows that I wish I could see so bad. They were so sloppy because I remember, like, reading about the Herald and having no clue what any of it meant. And so I thought, like, these were all, like, short-form games because I only knew short-form. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so we have um, our first scene. Great. Oh, actually, we did one part where we did one time because I was so confused uh, in this show where I was like, okay, so, like, 
I guess what happens is like the first scene starts with two people and then this then we add a third person and then we add a fourth person and then we had a fifth person, and that turns into a group game where we all do a group short form game. And then we like, one person leaves, and that's like the second beat. I was so confused. But I remember um, doing those shows uh, in like an awesome little black box theater that's at our school, and it was packed, and like just doing short form. And just doing the very basics of it and trying a Herald, even though we never said we were doing a Herald. I was like, yeah, let's just try this weird thing. And having the best time of my life doing that and just being like, yeah, all right. And oh, before that, I, my senior year, a second city opened up in Denver, like a second city touring show that I think was going to be there for like two years or something. And I remember going and seeing it and being blown away. Or, well, yeah, so that happened, going and seeing it and being blown away. But Second City came, I think, like, my sophomore year. That's where it's all, or my freshman year when I was there. Sorry, this is all jumbled. Um, they came my freshman year when I was at Western. And I remember being blown away. And just being like, how do I do that on stage? I want to do yeah. that. That's the funniest, most amazing thing I've ever seen. And it was like a sketch show with improv, like sketch and improv show. And I was just like, holy shit, I want to do this. This is what is awesome to me. Um, so then like, so getting back on track, senior year, Second City comes to Denver and a group of us were like, let's go see it. And we were blown away. And I was just like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, and so then, yeah, using some of the stuff we saw at Second City, I put that in my senior project show. Like, because Second City, and I don't think they did this on purpose. I think this is just how the scene ended up. They did a completely silent scene. And I, w I remember I was floored. Like, oh, it was so good. And I remember setting up in my show. I was like, okay, great. And so after you guys do... I don't know, whatever it might be, a uh, uh, ding-dong scene or whatever, uh, Luke and I, we will come out and we'll do a silent scene. Like, we'll get a suggestion and do a completely silent scene. Uh, and so it was, like, structured like that, but it was so much fun. And it was just, like, another thing to be like, yep. Like, another just, like, I don't know, step in the ladder. It's such a cool way to be challenging yourself to, like, just like this is a place where you have to do a silent scene. Yeah, yeah. And pull like, it off. All right. Yeah, and make moves and choices. Uh, and it was really, f it was just perfect. And and before that, like, did you ever do like ACTF or have you heard of it? Like, no. It's the American College Theater Festival, and there are like these. There are a bunch of regions, so you got like East Coast, Mount, whatever. And we would do that every year. Um, a dude would come. Maybe a little, usually it was a dude when he came to our shows would come and watch the like fall show or whatever, and then from there critique it, and then pick two people to be in this competition, which Drew Defonso Marks won, I think. Whoa! Which is so wild because we were talking about it, and so we would get to go every year. You got to go to like one time it was in Denver, but then other times it was like in Ashland, Oregon, or in uh, Washington, and so we get to leave. 
school, college, for a week to go do this weird theater thing where they're like workshops all day and then shows at night. But for us, it was like, oh my God, we're a week away from school with one adult who's <laughs> cool. Let's lose our minds. Yeah. But I remember, and I like, because I didn't really, I went to some workshops, but they were just like weird and not fun. But I always went to the improv workshops because I was like, this is the coolest. <laughs> and so I also used uh, stuff from those, from the senior show that I did. Uh, and so, yeah. That's kind of like com. That was college. And, and like, was it a no-brainer to move to LA? Well, so I was terrified. Okay. I knew I didn't want to live in New York just because of Mary. You don't Mount. want to be anywhere near like, Marymount. <laughs> oh, like I can't handle New York, and still to this day I cannot handle. I'll go for like a week and be like, "All right, great. I'm starting to have panic attacks. I gotta <laughs> get out of here. It's too much." Um, I knew I didn't want to do New York, and so I was like, oh, maybe Chicago. Like, my sister went to Northwestern. My dad's from Chicago. That could be really fun. Second City. Great. Um, but my, my, um, the summer after I graduated, I still stayed in Gunnison because I had a really fun job there, and I was, like, doing plays there over the summer. Um, and it was just really fun. I, um started just doing research of like, hey, I actually, I want to like, before I jump in at anywhere big, I want to just start small and learn the very basics without it being Second City. Because I think I was very scared of failing at something that I wanted so bad, you know? And so I started looking around at like, Places not in Colorado, a little bit in Colorado, but I really wanted to get out of Colorado um, of, like, smaller comedy theaters where they do improv and sketch. And so I started, like, looking around and finding these places, and I had taken out a loan earlier because, like, my school was very cheap. Like, it was very... It was a small school and very affordable, and I was in-state. So, like, like, I broke my ankle my senior year of college and that cost more than like almost all of my tuition. Wow. <laughs> Thanks mom and dad. You guys are the best. Um, so it was very cheap. Uh, and so I never had to take out a loan. And so my parents were like, let's take out a loan first of all, to get you credit, but also like, so now afterwards, cause I was also thinking of like, uh, to, to go and audition and travel and like, figure out what you want to do because I was also thinking like it would be really fun to get into like a rep theater like a summer rep theater or something like that or like find a company to act with you know something like that and so I took some money out and I had some money to go like travel around and I found this uh theater online in Sacramento the Sacramento comedy spot and um they were holding auditions for like a, a team for improv and sketch team and I just like on a whim I was like I have money I'll go out and the World <laughs> Cup was going on so like in the day I was like in Sacramento by myself for like four days chilling and I would like go in the day and just watch World Cup and hang out and then uh, there was an audition for this group and um, 
I went and it was so much fun. <sighs> and I like killed the audition to where the director immediately was like, so what's your deal? And I told him, I was like, I live in Colorado, but I'm like looking, I want to get out and I want to like start to learn the basics of like improv and sketch and see like if I really want to do this and see if I can. I think because I was very scared of failing at this thing that I was becoming obsessed with. And um, so I went to, so then I flew back to Colorado and I was hanging out and I got a call like a few days later and he's like, if you want, like you have a spot here. (laughs) come out like please like we'll start doing shows and and stuff um in september so if you could get here in august that would be awesome and i was like all right i'll do it (laughs) and so i like randomly moved to sacramento got a weird job uh grading like those standardized tests and so i would do that in the day and then i would go and do like improv or sketch at night and like i had nothing to lose and I had nothing to do so any time I could I was at that theater and I made some awesome friends that's where I met Tony uh she was a part of the group I was on and we became like best friends really quick and we're just like you make me laugh like let's do this and so I was there for like a year and a few months and then together Tony and I were like let's do LA Let's go to UC. And through that, we learned about UCB. And we're like, let's go. Let's move to LA and go. And I was, you know, more than happy to once again get, like, a shitty job that would support me. Uh, You know, as long as I could take classes and live here and learn improv and sketch. And so we moved here and I got a shitty job at Target for a while. And then a shitty job at that, like, Mickey Mouse soda fountain place right by El Capitan, which was god-awful. And then a shitty job at Backdraft at Universal (laughs) Studios and just was taking classes and just so poor but having so much fun and loving L.A. immediately. There's something very, like cool and wizard of ozzy about you going to sacramento <laughs> like randomly yeah meeting tony there who it feels like you were like destined to meet yeah and like moving to la and then like doing all the things you guys have done yeah here. yeah it's wild it's really wild and like uh yeah i my family has always been like kind of just like let's move and hope, you know, or, or I guess like my sisters have always been like, Oh yeah, I don't want to live in Colorado or Wyoming. I want to get out and try new things. Like we've always been a family where it's like, I want to try new things, you know, I want to live a few places, like figure stuff out. Um, but yeah, it was wild. And it was just like, like, Everything happens for a reason, and I just, that solidifies it even more. I'm just like, everything, because I, you know, I I think, like, what would have happened if I had moved right to L.A. from college? Because I learned so much in Sacramento. Like, we started doing short form, but then started, like, doing long form and learning about long form and getting 
uh, and Brian Crawl, who's the director, um, was friends with Jeff Sloniker. And so Sloniker would tell us and come and teach us, like, the UCB idea of game. And, and like, I, I think of that of, like, what if I had moved to L.A. before? Would I still be here? Would I have even really thought of UCB? Or would I have been at Second City? Like, it all works out. Everything happens for a reason. And just, like, thinking about all this stuff, it's like, it that just solidifies it for me even more. Because I've always thought that. I also feel like there's something interesting to... I feel like a lot of people, when they start doing improv, it's like they might look at you and go, like, oh, my gosh, like, I can never be that. And, yeah. like, because you're so natural. But it's, like, amazing that before you had even started classes at UCB, you had already been doing improv in different yeah. experimental ways for, like, five years. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah, theater, and theater on stage for, like, your entire yeah, life. Yeah, because, like, that's such a big thing is just getting comfortable up there on that stage, which I had been before doing improv, where it's like, oh, yeah, I feel the most comfortable on a stage. <laughs> Now it's just learn how to make stuff up instead of doing reading lines. But, uh, yeah, it's been a whole life of leading up to being, uh, being able to improvise so, stuff. So what were your classes like um, and what was, like, the journey up to, like, auditioning for a hero oh, team great. and stuff? Well, I was so just... well. So I um, had those, like, shitty jobs for a while, and it was tough. Like, it was... I was really struggling financially and stuff. And then I got... Which this, didn't you like of them? Or did you like them all in different ways? Hated all of them because it was... Was Backdraft that, hot? <laughs> it was hot. It was hot. And... What does it mean that you were working there? Like, you... Were, I was, like... Because you would, like... Do you... Have you been... Do you remember going on it at all? Kind it wasn't of, even going It's been a while. It was walking through. It's gone now. But you would walk into a room... And I would, like, lead people in the room, be like, everybody get to the right, far right, let's cram everybody in. <laughs> you walk in, I'd push a button, a big screen would come down, and Ron Howard would be like, hi, I'm Ron Howard, I made backdraft. And he would do, like, a two-minute video, and then doors would open and lead into another room where I would stand behind some glass and I'd push a button, and, like, there's a voiceover thing go, or maybe another video. I think there was another video playing, um kind of talking about the making of and then I'd push a button and this flame would happen, like a big flame would happen to be like, whoa, whoa. And then I'd lead them into another room and make everybody please make it to the far right, get on, where you're like, you'd get into, you'd, the last room was a set piece where you would, like the, everybody would be on a catwalk and I'd go into this little booth and everybody would be there doors would close, I'd get a green light, and I'd push a button, and all these flames would happen, <laughs> fire would happen, gas explosion, stuff like that, and then at the very end, the catwalk would drop, like, two inches, and people would scream, and that was it, and so I would just walk people through that, or I would, like, be in the queue telling people, like, hey, folks, get in line, or what, I don't know what it was, counting people, so that was that, it was fine, I like that one the most out of all of them because it was like 
pretty fun. It's a very chill, funny job to have. To just very funny make job. A catch on fire. <laughs> I would get to like go on rides though at lunchtime and stuff, which was rad. That is cool. Um, so that one I liked the most, but it was still that idea of like you cannot be full time because we will not be giving you benefits and your minimum wage. So. I'm not making a lot of money doing this. Whatever. Um, that one was the the funnest for sure. Um, so, so I so I was I think taking like 101 while I was still in um, working those jobs, and I was working like the Disney one, the like El Capitan one, and Backdraft at the same time. Um, taking 101 and it was awesome Joel Jensen was in my 101 and we immediately were like you're funny you're funny let's be friends and so that was great and Johnny Meeks was my teacher and I I and I was just so excited like I, I don't I was so excited to learn I'd never been that excited about learning something before in my life but I was so excited and ready and just like yes let's fucking do this I want to be good. I want to do it. I want this so bad. I've never wanted anything as bad as I want to be able to do improv. Um, and so it was so much fun. And, and yeah, 101 was great. And I was just like, so excited to be there and just take every note. And I loved Johnny immediately. I was like, he's so great. And I had seen him perform with Sentimental Lady and just being like, oh my gosh, she's my teacher. This is awesome. Um, and I, I, I remember doing that first 101 show and just having a blast and just killing it. <laughs> you know, and I mean, yes. who knows how much it was really killing it. But like my sister and brother-in-law came and... And, you know, it was just such a fun moment. And uh, then I got a really rad job at um, pretty much at Sony with this company, Beachwood, where it was a small company and we would just rent out and store uh, sets and props and stuff to, like, Sony pictures and everything. It was a great job. Like, it was the first time I'd had a job where, like, I got benefits and they paid me well you know, and it was really a great, like, it helped me take classes and get, sta- like, financially stable and ready to quit when I could. And so I worked there for three years. Um, that's just a side note. Okay. How, how did you get that job? I, um, one of my sister and brother-in-law's friends worked at the company and they were, like, hiring an assistant. And, like, he knew, because I had been hanging out with, um him and my my sister and brother-in-law a lot because uh, they're so fun and it was nice it was wonderful having family in town and um he hit me up and he's like hey we're hiring and he knew I hated my jobs and I I didn't I wasn't making money you know I wasn't happy I was happy to be in LA and doing UCB but I was so unhappy to be barely able to make rent and everything yeah. uh and so he hit me up and he's like I've I told them about you like come in for an interview you're gonna kill it like you're more than enough qualified and I went in and they were so cool they're like yeah we'll hire you and uh it was it was a life like 
Because I don't know how much longer I could have done. Like, I really don't know because I was, like, barely making rent. Like, my phone was getting shut off. Like, all this stuff. This was great timing for this. Yeah, it was really perfect timing. And so, like, I got that job. And then that meant, like, oh, my gosh. And it was just, it was a nice, it was a really great job that they supported everything I did. You know, they were, they would come to shows and stuff. Once I started (laughs) doing shows, they would come and support me and, like, they were so cool, but it was also that John was able to support me in taking classes, const- like, to be like, okay, great, I'm going to take classes, I'm able to now afford taking classes all the time, so I'm going to just keep doing that. Um, and so then I started, like, 201, I met Steve Slaga, and I think Joel took 201, like, I think we were like, let's take it together again. And then that's where I met Steve Slaga, and I had Brett Christensen. And he was awesome. He was so great. And I learned, I w- like, you know, that's where you learn game. And I remember just, like, it was hard but fun. And and Brett was just great. He was so great. And that was cool. And then 301 I had with Steve. Again, we're like, let's take it again. And I had that with Julie Brister, which was just... She's the best because she's, like, so positive but also will keep you in check, you know. Like, no, come on, guys. What are you doing, you know? Um, And it doesn't hurt for her to do that because of her being so kind. Because of her, like, positivity with everything else. You're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, all right, you're right. And then I had, um, uh, this was a big one, my first 401 with Daniel Schneider, who is awesome and that class I learned so much from that class and that I had I took that class with Tony met Justin Michael and Jacob Reed Stephanie Allen was in that class um who else it was a really great class and I just made so many friends uh and that was like the beginning of like let's start like practice group like or I think I'd started practice groups before that I can't remember really. did you begin like ladies and gentlemen out of that yeah that's where ladies and gentlemen which was you and Tony and Justin and Jacob yeah where we were just like holy shit you make me laugh we all make each other laugh let's do this all the time um and then like Stephanie Allen was she was so good and it was so fun doing scenes with her and we just had such a, a huge It was a really fun class where I just, I learned so much from Danielle. Um, She she did this one exercise that I I just loved of, she's like, okay, I want you guys to do the worst improv you've ever done. And uh, so she split up the class in halves and it was so much fun. And everybody was tagging out, doing walk-on stuff like that. And she's like, she's like, you guys need to start attacking good improv like that. You know? She's like, you guys were having so much fun. You were making moves. Start doing that, but with good improv. And I remember just being like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, man. That was just one of many, but I remember that was the first day of class, and I was like, this is perfect. Um, And then that, while we were in class, was uh, Harold auditions were starting, or were going to happen, and uh, I remember, I think the four of us got the, uh, or the five of us, me, Tony, 
Jacob, Justin, and Stephanie. I believe we got, the five of us got the okay to audition because you had to complete 401, but we were still technically in it. Yeah. And that was my first Herald audition, and it was so fun, and I did it with Tony and Justin and Jacob, I think, and they knew people, like, they had friends, so we, like, made this really fun team um, for that first round of, like, eight people, and it was really fun, and we had a blast, and I got called back, and went in to do the Herald, and I had a really awesome time. I actually don't really remember it. But, yeah, I didn't make it. I didn't get on a team, and I was bummed. Uh, I was very bummed, but I was also like, okay, great. It's not my time yet. That's fine. Like, I wasn't meant to be on any of the teams that were made. Cool, I'm going to work even harder. I'm going to do as many shows as I can, take as many classes as I can and workshops and advanced studies, whatever I can and just work my ass off. And through that year and doing indie shows, like through that year, I started getting asked to do like one-off shows at the theater, bit shows, improv shows, everything and making so many awesome friends uh, in the community, you know, everything and just everything started just happening then and then uh, taking 401s and 501s and advanced that all these stuff and then second round came and it, it was kind of, I was just going in there being with the attitude of like, and not in a dick way of just like, okay, okay, this is my, like, yeah, I am so ready to be on a team now. Like, this is it. You know, with that kind of attitude. I hope that doesn't sound dickish. But Not at all. just kind of like, this is it. I worked hard. This is my year. And then Bang Ring happened. And it was just like, yeah, I did. <laughs> like, that was, like, such an amazing feeling, you know. And um, I felt so ready to do Heralds on Monday nights, you know. Even if it's with a group of almost all strangers, I was so ready to attack it and work hard and become the next sentimental lady, you know? And, um, and yeah, that was kind of that. And, like, all of Bangarang was, we had that mentality um, of just right away, yes, guys, let's work hard, let's be different, let's blow the audience's mind you know from day one from that first year un- until now yeah that's so cool so when did you start like getting to like do like things in tv shows and stuff like that or um, like m- jobs that you would get paid for uh, yeah it was so this wild uh it's Literally, my first Herald night ever, uh, Matt Besser was there. And I want to say, like, the next day or that Wednesday, I got an email from Lindsay uh, uh, saying, Matt Besser would like you to audition for his Comedy Central pilot, which is a sketch show. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) What? Holy shit. Okay. And so, like, I, I wrote, like, five minutes worth of 
various characters, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is a Matt Bessersami, and holy shit, you know, I was blown away, and I did the first round, and he, he was so welcome, like, he was so welcoming, like, thank you for coming, and I was like, what? Thank you for having me, holy <laughs> shit, like, I'm blown away, like, I'm such a, a fan, and thank you, your theaters, everything, like, whatever, and, and I did it, and it was super fun, and he was laughing, and Everybody's laughing, and then I was like, "Okay, that was fun." And like, "Hey, whatever, what a cool opportunity to like meet Besser and get to do this in front of him. Like, this is wild." And then I got another email being like, "He wants you to come to callbacks." And I was just like, "Oh fuck!" And I remember in callbacks, like Colton was there, and like Gemberling and Paul, like all these amazing people who I'd been watching on stage, and just like, you know, like. Oh, just such a fan, and they were there, and I was like, how am I here? What's happening, you know? And the callback went great, and I got a call just from Besser, like, maybe a week or two later, uh, being like, I, you want to be on the show, this Comedy Central pilot? And I was just like, oh, my God. Yes, of course I do. <laughs> like, I was so blown away. I'm like, what? I'm going to be on... Like, and a pilot, and I was like, what's a pilot? Like, I didn't know what anything was, and I was just so excited. And um, and through that, uh, and when I was talking to Bezzer, he's like, do you have a manager or anything? I was like, no, I have nothing like that. I, like, really don't know anything about that. And he's like, I'll have my uh, manager help you with this uh, contract and stuff, and uh, I'll set you up with a meeting to have, like, breakfast with him or whatever. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And um, I met with him, and we had breakfast, and he was so cool, and we just bonded immediately. And he was like, I, he's like, I'll definitely, I'm definitely doing this contract for the pilot, but, like, I, I will totally rep, represent you. And I was just like, what? And it's Dave Becky who represents amazing people. And so I was just yeah. like, it was like, just, it was like four months of just being blown away. Cause then like, I, and my work was amazing. Like I was able, um, to take off, like they let me have a month off to like shoot the pilot and stuff. And it was just like, this is what it could be like. I was like, this is so crazy. And so that, like, it really started, like, Harold Night, literally the first Harold Night I did. That was the beginning of it. And so then, um, and so that was, um, I think I was still, like, a year into my job. And so I worked there two more years. But, like, throughout those two years, um, I would go out for auditions if, you know, if I could make it during my lunchtime at work or something. And then I just started getting offers here and there for, like, little things, Funny or Die things. You know, like, Funny or Die was a big part where, um, yeah, I would get offers to do a Funny or Die video or uh, I became a member of Cream around that time. And starting to be like, oh my gosh, there is money. Like, money is involved in this. Okay, great. And um, still working and, like, really 
enjoying having that financial stability like and still working taking classes doing shows now starting to do a lot more shows you know stuff like that uh and starting to get more offers and more little jobs and little little things to where I started um around like two and a half years in I think I also started in my job at Beachwood um, which is probably like a year and a half into um, being on a, a Herald team, I started to um, coach more, started getting more coaching stuff, and I started any time I would get a, a job that wasn't my job, like book something or get offered something, I would put that money away, and I would just save it. And I started then like um, every month putting a chunk of money from my Beachwood job into the savings account and just be like that because I wanted to quit you know yeah. it was it was a great job but it was also uh it's it changed to get to be like come in at 6 a.m and work till 4 30 and it's like ah oh, it's a long day and in Culver City so it's a drive the shows you're doing at night and with shows that I was doing at night, that to me, that was my number one thing. Of like, oh, it's a midnight show? Fine. Great. I will do it. I'm just so excited to be doing shows. And so I wanted to quit. And so I, like, just started building up uh, a little, like, uh, what's that? Nest? Yeah, a little nest egg. little nest egg. I was like, an egg nest? <laughs> uh, a nest egg. And then um, finally, in October of 2011 never forget I was able to like quit my job and I like kind of weaned off of it um I kind of weaned off of it and they knew like the whole time my drive was I was here for comedy I wanted to be a comedian and work and stuff and so I was able to like quit in that October because I like started like booking enough stuff and getting asked to do enough stuff and having to say no because I had a full-time job. But I started getting asked to do enough stuff where I was like, I think I'm going to go for it. And I had, like, a good chunk of change saved up. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to quit. I'm going to – I can coach. Like, I I think I can get enough coaching to really help out. And it was it was really, like, once again, things happen for, like – it's, like, literally maybe, like – not even a week after I, like, quit, quit, and told them I was done, um, I got a call or an email from Neil being like, you want to start doing tour co for UCB. Amazing. And I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, this is great. Like, I was so scared to take this leap, but now it's totally fine. There's something there to catch me, you know? <laughs> and so, like, I started touring, uh, like, a bunch and it was so much fun and I was coaching all the time uh, and like you know getting little things here and there and now I have time to really focus on auditions and stuff which was huge too because you know when I was at Beachwood it would be like maybe at the desk like looking at the script be like I guess I'm ready to go to this audition at lunch that I hope I can, you know. Yes. And it was just a mess. And now I was like, I'm kind of making my own schedule. 
now I can focus on stuff. And, um, and then, yeah, and then it was like, I just kept like kind of going out on more auditions that I was able to focus on and getting stuff and then getting offers. And then that following, um, in 2012, that year, that was like my first big pilot season. I guess, yeah, big pilot season where I was like going out a lot and for like these big pilots. And I had done like an audition when I was at Beachwood for pilot season, but it was a mess. <laughs> you know, it was just kind of like whatever. Uh, and that's when I got animal practice was that year. Um, Which, did that kind of blow your mind getting that? Yeah, it blew my mind for sure. Because, like, I went in um, when it felt like pilot season was over, you know, where I was like, oh, I'm pretty much done with going in for, like, these, the I guess, bigger or, like, series regulars. And then I went into animal practice, and um, everybody was so rad. And they're like, we're huge fans of you. Like, when I walked in, and I was like, what? And, like, I got the sides, and I was like, oh, my gosh. This is, like, very much how I am. <laughs> Great. This is easy. This is going to be just straight-up fun. And, like, they said, like, please improvise, you know, whatever, whatever. And I was like, and, um, oh, and I had started, like, around this, I had started, like, just doing a lot of, like, fill-in shows and stuff. And, like, I started doing ASCAT. Which was really cool too. Like I mean, a dream come true. Uh, and and I remember like going in for animal practice, and Brian Husky was there, and I had like just done an ass cat with him or something, and like I was so excited to see him and be like, I know you, like yeah, you're awesome, you know, because I was such a yeah. You put yourself like, in this position where the people in the room knew you, yeah, which is like kind of a like, rare thing to have. It was just so cool, and it was like the first time that I'd ever felt that in a room, and um, and once again, they're like, "Thank you so much for coming in." And I was like, "What? Thank you guys for having like this is I'm so excited," and um, and so I went in, and it went great, and uh, and and it was they're like. This is just a guest, a guest spot. It's a guest spot with potential of becoming recurring or something. And um, like a week and a half or something passed and I hadn't heard anything. And then uh, I was coaching a group and I kept getting all of these calls while I was like coaching from, from my manager. And I started getting texts from them of like, call us immediately please call us <laughs> call us immediately and I was just like okay so I took a break and I was like I gotta make a phone call um and they're like so you got animal it was at the time I think called animal kingdom so you got it and the deal they want so as of now for the pilot you'll be guest but if it gets picked up they're making you recurring and I was just like what <laughs> and I was blown like I was like I had to go back and coach for like another hour and I was just sitting there like, I gotta call my parents. I'm losing my, this is the coolest thing. I gotta, I gotta tell my friend, like, holy shit, I want to just lose my mind. And so then I like, and that was like just the craziest thing to me. I was like, I gotta do a fucking pilot for NBC. Oh my God, this is amazing. And uh, it was Every single thing about it just kept getting 
cooler and cooler. Like, I remember looking at the cast and looking people up and be like, holy shit, Justin Kirk. I love him. I'm the biggest fan of him. I'm like, him on weeds is so good. And Angels in America. Ah! And like, uh, going to the table read and just people being excited to see me, like meeting Justin for the first time and just being like, <laughs> I love you so much. Like, Bobby Lee, I'm such a fan of Bobby Lee from that. Like, just being blown away constantly and, like, doing the table read and it killing. And then uh, it was just, it was, I'm still, like, I, I'm so blown away that I got to do that. And then that it got, like, picked up. That was crazy. And it doesn't happen to many shows. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, it was so... All of it was so wild and nuts and fun. Like, it was all so much fun and just, like, I made great friends out of it. And, like, uh, it was just an amazing experience. Like, it was so crazy. <laughs> like, and, and it was just... And I remember, like, uh, while I was working at Beachwood and even not, like, having those days of um, being on set and stuff and like creating stuff with cream and imagining like oh my gosh what if we got to do this every day and this was like our job job whoa and then being on animal practice like just being it like walking on paramount just being like this is my job this is crazy <laughs> like and i still every single day i'm just like i can't believe this is my life like what a fun crazy life yeah do you feel like animal practice was the thing that like changed like uh like made it somewhat easier to make like to get other roles after that point yeah yeah um absolutely and also like um i now go almost immediately to producers sessions oh beautiful like in pilot season and stuff um which i this sounds so like I didn't really know that was a thing um, because when I was like my first pilot season, which was when I got animal practice, like I didn't know that was another step. I thought it was just kind of like, oh, OK, whatever. But now but it is like, oh, that's a big step. Like that's a nice step to take to get to go right from <laughs> nothing into the producer's uh, session or whatever. Uh, so that was a big thing. And since Animal Practice, like, what, what have been kind of the highlights of the things you've gotten to do on TV or in movies like, okay. since then? Um, any, all, like, Comedy Central stuff. Like, I got to do an episode of The Review, which was amazing. Yes, and you were very funny um, that. Oh, and thank you. Big Time in Hollywood. Big Time in Hollywood, Kroll Show, Another Period. Like, that Comedy Central has been just amazing always they've been amazing always and so cool um uh uh oh god that cbs show oh the millers <laughs> yeah that one with will arnett <laughs> who was just uh, i was just blown away with being next to him I was like oh man i made him <laughs> laugh once that was great um uh clipped has been awesome on tbs and that's what you're doing you're doing that right now yeah yeah that's so 
that has been just an amazing experience. And you can do clips with like Lauren's on that show too. Yeah, and Deanna, and like, and now they're all my friends. But like, yeah, it was really wild of like Lauren and I being like, oh my god, we're on a TV show together. Holy (laughs) shit! Yeah. Um. Uh. Comedy Bang Bang has been so much fun getting to do that. Um. Oh gosh. Voiceover stuff. Getting on, getting to start to do a lot of voiceover stuff. Like I did Bob's Burgers. That was a dream come true. Cause yeah. I love that show. Any voiceover is just so fun. Getting to be in Monsters University. Oh my god! Yeah, Monsters University. That was wild. It just made me so happy to be in the movie theater and hear your voice. Oh my god! It, uh, that's so the coolest. So it's so it's also cool. You're just like living the dream. It's right fun. now. Yeah. Um, what would you hope would happen, like, from here? Um, like, do you, like, feel, like, just so content with where you are that, like, you don't really, like, aspire anymore (laughs) to something else? Or is there, like, a next part of the dream? Um, there's a next, even though I am so happy with every, like, this is perfect, like, I love this so much. Um, I want to, I would love to, like, sell a show. That's a huge thing. Uh, that's a huge goal of mine. Uh, as much as, like, this is so, like, I would love to create and sell a show. And what kind, like, is there, like, a dream network for it? Like, would it be a cartoon or, like, for a certain demographic? Cartoon would be amazing to sell a cartoon. Um, I mean, Comedy Central would be a great... A great, and it would would place. it be a show that you create and you're the lead of? Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be absolutely. It. Even if it was a cartoon, I would be doing a voice on it. You know, like I would love to. That would be a dream. Because you still haven't done a show yet where you're like the lead, right? Lead, and you should be like, oh, you should have you. your I Love Lucy up today. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I would love to do an I Love Lucy. Mono can be my Ricky. It would be perfect. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the next thing that I want even though I am like so happy I think I would be weird if I I don't know cause like I always want want more I guess is the only way to put it that sounds so weird it sounds kind of mean but I always or I guess I want to create more like, I guess I always want to be creating something. Yes. Like, to me, that's the fun. And luckily, I have improv, so I get to do that. But, like, why not try to create a cartoon or Your own show. show on Comedy Central. Yeah, like, I feel we have nothing to lose. Yeah. You know? And what about SNL? Like, that used to be a part of your dream was, like, yeah. SNL, SNL. It really where, did. Where does SNL fall in, like, your kind of mindset of the world now? It's now, um, I mean, it. I feel it would be amazing, but it's not, I don't even think it's really a thing anymore for me. Um, I feel like I don't think I could handle it, personally. Like, I think it would be too much of a situation that I, as a human, can no longer handle. Like, it would be too intense for me. Uh, it's in New York, which yeah, you can't Yeah, New York is already... <laughs> Too terrifying for me, but also just, like, the schedule and, um, uh, just the stories, like, 
that you read about and hear about is just like, ooh, I honestly don't think I could put my best work out there in in that kind of environment anymore. Maybe a few years ago I could have, but like now I don't think I could, you know? Um, so part of the fun of this show, I think, is like that it's a like a little bit of a time capsule. Of, yeah. Like Betsy Sidaro, 2015. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. What are some things you think might be interesting about your life today uh, to like you and other people of 2020, 2025? Okay. And, like after that, like yeah. either about yeah, like just what your day to day life is, or anything else that comes to mind. That's great. Okay. Um, well, get this future. My car, which is a 2010, still has manual locks and windows. <laughs> that blows my mind. And it, it seems in general, like, <laughs> off of that, you, you seem like you live pretty, like, humbly still. <laughs> Just, like, you're, like, you've, you've been in at least, like, the same apartment, like, since when you didn't have a lot of yeah. money. So... Yeah. Do you do keep yourself that way on purpose? Like, I mean, you love living with the people you live with. Yeah. And living in that house. And, like, my car still works great. Um, and I, like, recent, like, maybe the older I've gotten, I've become more of just kind of, like, I'd rather, like, travel or go to fun dinners or do fun uh, uh, um, experiences more than buying stuff. Yeah, I noticed you don't have, like, the gold Apple Watch on your hand. No, 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 not yet. No, I don't even know why. I have a, I have an iPhone. <laughs> That's all you need. Um, but, yeah, you don't buy into, like, you don't want a lot of material stuff. Yeah, like, I'd way rather uh, go to Europe than, uh, get, I don't know, than buy a new TV or something. You know, like, especially when everything's working. Like, I'm going to drive my car into the ground. I do get embarrassed sometimes pulling up to valets or something where it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's filthy and uh, automatic. Or no automatic anything. (laughs) But whatever. Do you have any, like, remaining, like, worries about things not working out the way that you want to? Or, like, uh... Fears for, like, uh, yeah, or any fears? Um, I feel like I'm constantly worrying (laughs) about stuff not working out, but I'm also able to, like, stop the worry by looking at what is, you know, because it's so easy to, like, go to an audition and be like, oh, God, I want that so, oh, God, I hope I get that, da-da-da, and you don't get it. And it's so easy to let that, like, drive you nuts. But I'm, I've, in the last, like, two or three years have been able to really just be like, okay, fine. I just was, like, that's fine. Let's look at what I have, you know. Let's look at what I have. That's great. I have this to look forward to. I have this to work on. Even if it's just, like, I have an improv show tonight. Great. I just, I get to still get in front of people, make them laugh. Bummer I didn't get that role, whatever it might be. Um, Fears, like, I think a fear is just to, like, 
I'm the idea of like being unhappy really scares me, which I hope will never happen, you know, but like <laughs> is there anything you think you could do that would like uh like make me unhappy? Uh-huh. Oh, probably like a porno or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like oh, it's really hard to think of cuz I also do try to I always have try to just keep things positive, you know, of like, well, how can I make this situation make me happy, you know? Um, yeah, God, I, I think really you're, don't know. Yeah, I, well, I think that's a great answer, because I think you're just <laughs> yeah. like, you don't have it in you. You're just like a uh, beacon of light. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. But yeah, like, I think being unhappy, and then just a fear in life is like, oh, dying alone or just getting too old. I'm scared to death of getting, like, I do not I do not want to be an old person who, like, doesn't know where their keys are when it's like, you don't have keys. That's, I guess, Alzheimer's scares me. I think the nice thing, too, is that you have such a community of friends who love you yeah. that, like, you know that... Uh, Mono is going to be right next to you. Oh, yeah. I told your, him, like, when if you're I very get old. super old, he, he might has be, to kill me. He might be <laughs> really senile, too. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll be senile <laughs> together. But, no, yeah, I feel so lucky. Like, um, I mean, our community is just the greatest thing. Like, it's awesome. And not a lot of people have that. Okay, two final questions. Okay, right. Uh, number one. If you could give some advice to somebody just starting out uh, in L.A. Okay. Uh, who wants to do comedy okay. with the rest of their life, what would your advice be? Okay. This is great. Um, and I think a big, like, uh, almost that do what makes you laugh. Um, and do what makes you laugh. And that will hopefully help you find your voice. Like, finding your voice is giant I think you know and just being yourself is so huge even in the world even improv like having those little nuggets of like oh yeah that's totally you could do characters and stuff but like having that moment of like oh yeah that's you as a comedian that's huge you need to you need that voice and then another like this is just an uh industry one that I like only in the last like two years have really gotten and I wish somebody told me so bad when I was beginning but I guess that's how it is is like um like this it's this is a very like industry one of like when you're auditioning no matter what no matter what happens no matter what role it is you're going out for be so excited to just be getting in front of those people, the casting director or a producer or whatever. Cause like I've gone in for roles where it's for, it's written for a guy or, you know, whatever it might be where you're like, this is not me. Go in there, do your thing and kill it. Treat it like a performance. And, but always think of that of like, I'm getting in front of these awesome people who will bring you back. That's the thing that I wish I had known. It's never, ever, like, a one-time shot. It's a thing of, like, go in there, do your thing, 
kill it because they will remember you no matter what. Oh, that's great. And, like, I never... And I guess I don't know who would have told me that. I guess you just so kind of learn it. But, like, I didn't realize that that's such a big thing. Yeah, I wish I had heard... I wish I had, like, taken that to heart. Yeah. I auditioned, like, a year ago for a thing called Genie in a Bikini. And, like, I kind of phoned it in because I, like didn't really want to yeah. play a genie. I would have had to wear a bikini on Nickelodeon to play this genie in the weird world where I yeah. got it. And I should have brought it more <laughs> for the role. But, like, I, I... That is a silly one. That I don't know if I would have uh, really given no, up No, but that, that but casting director yeah. could have seen what a good genie I could have been. What a good genie, yeah, yeah. And even if in the end, like, well, you're not right for the genie, but hey, here's another project. Because that's happened a ton of where even, like, I'll go in and they know and they'll even say, like, Look, we know you're not right for this part, but we want you to get on tape, show you the producers because they may have something for you. Like, that's such yeah. a huge thing that I had no idea happened and it happens constantly, you know? And you get offers sometimes just from, like, hey, you weren't right for this part, but... You are right for this part. Um, and that's like a big thing. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. And also, what advice would you give today to, we don't know what she'll be like, but Betsy Sodaro of the year 2045. Oh my God. How old will I be? There's 30 years older than you are now. <gasps> oh my. <laughs> what advice will I give me from me? Yeah, like, now. just, like, what What do you want, like, if you're listening to this yeah. in that year, oh. what do you want to remind yourself, like, in case you've forgotten? Oh, that? my gosh. Travel. Live. Go have fun. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, Betsy, you're wonderful. Thanks so much for having thank, me. Thank you so this much for so coming This is so fun. Is that what, just talk? That's that's it. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, now we begin the interview. Okay. Oh, God. The pre okay. Great pre-interview. Thanks so much. Oh, that thank was you. so fun. Yeah, you're amazing. Oh, man, you're the best. Thank you, Betsy. That was really fun. favorite song I wrote in a cluttered room with the ceiling low. So if I stand too straight or I stand too tall, I bump my head. for listening to my interview with Betsy Sodaro. Can you believe how cool Betsy is? There's really nobody else in the world like her. If you want to see Betsy perform live at UCB, you can see her sketch group nephew perform the first Wednesday of every month at UCB Sunset. Or if you want to see Betsy doing some improv, you can see her performing with Bangarang every Friday at 8 p.m. at UCB Franklin, or in the Search History Show every Sunday at 11, also at UCB Franklin. Again, if you like this episode of On the Cusp, I hope you'll listen to some others and possibly subscribe to the show. Maybe consider listening to the Mary Holland episode or the Nicole Byer episode. And if you have a kid in your life who likes children's books or helicopters, consider buying them my children's book, How to Keep Your Helicopter. Special thanks to Mono Agapian for talking to me at the beginning of this episode, to Casey Trela and Hi-Ho Silvero for all the music in this episode, to my sound editor, Joe Burge, and to my producer, Cece. My bum is on the Ethereum Pierce. 
This has been On the Cusp. That's your outro music.